Welcome to episode 13 of the Amen Corner. I'm Brad Rothschild. And I'm Stephen Cook. Stephen, how's it going? All right, what's going on? Uh, you know, just trying to get through the world and life. But I have a question for you. All right, you. go. What happened? Uh, did you drop the Torah? I, didn't, I did not drop the Torah. Uh, <laughs> Nobody had good. to fast. Yes, I complete. And not only did I not drop the Torah, I completely nailed it. I mean, hog my training completely paid off. It was yeah. awesome. But I, what was the uh, difficulty uh, level of the? Well, of the, I mean, first of all, I was yeah. you know throughout the entire service leading up to Hagba, I was super nervous. Like I couldn't concentrate on anything. Not that I concentrate on that much when I'm in synagogue I know, anyway. Seriously, like what? Do you, what, what I, are you I know. I was like on? dreaming <laughs> about you know. Food, L- lifting the Torah, lifting the Torah, right? So, not fucking it not up. Fucking don't up. fuck so, it up. Your mom's like, don't fuck it up, Stephen. <laughs> so there were two things that happened. One, they opened the ark. Actually, Maddie and Mia opened the ark, which was awesome. <laughs> and then, you know, there's a number of Torahs in there. What do sure. they choose? They choose the biggest freaking Torah. I mean, not yeah. my kids. The the rabbis take out the biggest Torah. I was like, oh my because God. Because they looked at you and they're like, this guy, well, there was a certain ama- the big one. No, there was a certain amount of trolling because that was the second thing. Because yeah. the rabbi's holding the Torah and he's about to hand it to my sister and to her husband, to Julie and Glenn, and then hand it on to, to, to Justin, the bar mitzvah boy. And he says this whole thing about dropping the Torah. He said, you know... If you drop the Torah, you have to fast for 40 days, but it's split among everybody here. So you think, okay, oh. what's so bad? I miss breakfast. And then it's... Oh, that's and a little-known uh, addition to the rule. Right. Well, you sure know, reform, is... reform synagogue. And then yeah, they're, they're, and then he said, and then everybody has to, like, do tzedakah, you know, contribute to the synagogue. And then... After, so this could be a profit. Well, uh, wait, and then he said, and, synagogue. Then, and then after, you know, the contributions of Sadaka contributions, you have to have like a big party. And I'm like, he's totally trolling me. He's like, now, of course, it would be terrible to drop the Torah. I'm thinking, OK, you only have to miss like one meal or given the crowd that was there, it would be like half a meal or like the appetizers. Right. Then you raise sister, money and have a party. That's like incentive to actually drop the Torah. Exactly. I, but your sister paid for the meal after the service, so nobody would want to have to skip that meal, especially Julie, after spending all that money. Right, right. But it, it does seem like... All the, the incentive saying, structure in the Reform Synagogue was all about dropping the Torah. Don't drop the Torah, but if you do... <laughs> we're going we're gonna to raise money and have it's a huge a freaking party. Thing. I mean, like, what, not, what could be bad, It's not right? the worst thing in the world. So uh, I get up there, and of course, because it's me, I look at the rabbi, and the other, there were two rabbis and a cantor, and I was like, what, you couldn't use the small Torah? So And they look at you and say, don't fuck it up. <laughs> so then, and then the, everybody, in the, anybody, everybody in the synagogue laughs, and then I'm about to do it, and I step back and I take a deep breath and I just say out loud, do not look at your sister. Do not look at your sister. Because Julie was like, as I was going up, she gives me this smile. And I knew she, if I looked at her, I was she was going to start cracking up and I was going to start cracking up. Lauren, of course, is standing near me because she has to do the Galila part, right. which is dress the tar. Enough, 
She's smart enough to have turned her back so she wouldn't have to see it. <laughs> She's like not at all confident. I mean, yeah. she was standing there when I almost dropped it at her parents' synagogue. Of course. So the 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 junior rabbi says to me, "It's all in the knees." I was like, "Don't worry about it." And I just take it and I nail it and I hold it nice. up and I walk over to the chair and I sit down and then. Of course, they're trolling me again because, you know, you have to put, like, the, the Torah cover on it, which the dressing, for you, for you skiers out there is like a binding cover. And um, they're putting the binding covers on the Torah. They say Solomon along it. No, I'm kidding. And it, they put it on backwards. And it does start to get heavy. And I'm like, um, are you kidding me? And so they, like, then have to take it off and put it back on. And then they and put, the like, the silver things on top of the scroll. And then it, it just gets progressively heavier. Finally, they they took it from me and they went for the they went for the walk through the synagogue with it, which was great. But I, I felt relief. I felt you know good about it. I had a, I had a slight you know strain on my left side, which is not my stronger side. Did you get a massage or post hog massage? No, everybody was like, whatever. Are you? Yeah. As as I sat down, the rabbi looks at Julie and announces in front of the whole synagogue, "Is he always that dramatic?" And of course, Julie said, "Yes." Is that true? Did he really say that? Yeah, he did. Oh my God. Yeah, he's like our age. My sister's rabbi yeah. is like our age. He's, he's a cool dude. He's actually, he was, never... he was quite wonderful. I have to be honest with you. Big shout out to Rabbi Daniel Groper. Uh, Groper? Groper, G-R-O-P-P-E-R. From, uh, yeah, big shout out to him because, you know, as I've mentioned in previous shows, my, my brother-in-law is quite ill. And um, there was, you know, people coming in, and who hadn't seen him and tears and, and tension and stress and stuff. And the rabbi, right before the service began, stepped in front of the bima and he said, you know, there is an elephant in this sanctuary. And that is that Glenn has recently been diagnosed with um, this terrible disease and we need to acknowledge it. And let's everybody take a deep breath and enjoy this, this mitzvah of, of Justin's bar mitzvah and and in, enjoy the day and, and, and savor it. And I think it, it really set the, the, the service and the, the kiddish afterwards and the rockin' party afterwards just on a, 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 a just a wonderful and joyous trajectory. We, we rocked it out. We had such a great time. So big shout out to him on this. Uh, I've sent him, by the way, I've sent him. Uh, uh, the Amen Corners uh, first four episodes, I think. Um, I didn't hear from him. So he either loves it and doesn't want to tell me publicly or thinks we're totally ridiculous. Why would he think that? <laughs> Why would Rabbi Groper think that? I have if no you're idea. Listening, I have if no Rabbi idea. Groper, if, if you're listening, I hope you enjoy the podcast. We do. And, and I hope that you understand... Uh, how big it was that Stephen didn't drop the tour in your synagogue. <laughs> Although I'm sure you're disappointed because it would have been a lot of fun raising at a big party, a lot of money for the shul and the congregation. <laughs> I think Stephen, you can you you can write a nice check uh, to donate to them. Let me anyway. tell you something. I, I got to be relieved. No more bar, yeah. no more nephew bar mitzvahs I don't have yeah, to do I'm now I'm no longer on the hook for Hagba unless someone is, is trolling me and at their bar mitzvah they want me to know. do Hagba Mia's, Mia's bar mitzvah is in a you're going to do Hagba <laughs> yeah, Matt and Maddie's bar mitzvah um, so yeah I mean Mia's bar mitzvah is coming up my Mia's oh, bar you're, bar oh, right. coming up so, oh my god yeah. so 
Although I'm sure I have to give that Hagva to one of the uncles yeah. of Mia. That, 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 that but Hagva know, is, an uncle, is an uncle duty. I know, but you know, since uncle you duty. are a pro, yeah. since you are a pro, yeah. although we're a conservative synagogue, and uh, I don't think we divide up the fasting <laughs> among the congregants. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so relieved. I was so relieved. You have no idea. So this is a big this is a big week for the Jews, obviously, because you've managed to lift the Torah successfully. Yes. yes. I mean, there was rejoicing um, at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. That's what I heard. Yeah. And everybody is so excited that they canceled the hate march in Whitefish. <laughs> what? Yeah, Whitefish has been spoiled. White, there's nothing worse than spoiled Whitefish. Although I guess I in this in in this moment, I like I like spoiled Whitefish. Yeah. What happened? What happened? I, uh, I, mi- I know you told me about it, but I didn't, I didn't read about it. Tell me. Apparently, you need to uh, submit a request for a permit and pay some money to the city, right. to the municipality of Whitefish. And they spread, <laughs> they spread that money. They spread it around. <laughs> they spread, they smear it around. And they, they smear it around. And uh, apparently, one of the problems is that the organizers couldn't, Get enough money. It was 125 bucks. And I think they only came up. <laughs> Did he have 125 bucks? I think the, I think they only came up with like 60. Fucking Nazis, so, man. This is this is why, and they're never going to be successful. No, let's not say never. Well, they hopefully they won't be it's successful. It's funny they don't have 125 on, bucks man, for a permit, shit. but they probably have thousands of bucks for their AR-15s, which they easily buy. It's a good point. But get your shit together, man. Come on. It's a, <laughs> it's a 125 bucks. Jesus Christ. You guys are fucking idiots. No offense. Actually, no offense, no offense to offense fucking intended. idiots. Yeah, exactly. So we've dodged a bullet for now, but um, apparently Whitefish has said, well, you can do this in the future, provided that all of your ducks right. are in a row. Right. Um, as, long as, as long as LOX is safe. Well, Lox has been spared. Whitefish is spoiled. Oh my God! So, well, you know, speaking of hate, yes, you know, it's not just speaking. Speaking of hate, it's, it's not, not just, just the, for it's, breakfast it's anymore. Not just the, it's not just the Nazis. Although, far be it. I mean, it's it's certainly not the same thing. But we are having a controversy here in the Washington suburbs uh, related to uh, to our co-religionists, a certain country club, and a certain soon-to-be ex-president of the United States of America. Um, Are we talking about uh, Barack Obama? I'm talking about, yes, Barack Obama. As first reported in the New York Post... uh, Story broken by the New York Post. Broken by the New York Post. uh, Some members of the historically Jewish Woodmont Country Club in Rockville, Maryland, are exercised... Over the prospect of President Obama becoming a member of Woodmont Country Club. Uh, Because he's black? um, Well, no, because he's not sufficiently pro Israel. Um, They're outraged by the abstention of the resolution in the UN Security Council a number of weeks ago, and then over John Kerry's speech uh, about five days later. Um, so there, so they won't let Obama join the there country is a, club. There is a campaign among some members of the Woodmont Country Club to to keep him out. Let's let's never mind the fact that President Obama um, just committed thirty eight billion dollars to Israel over the course of the next ten years to uh, its defense. But he doesn't feel Israel in his not his kishkas. I hate that so much. Um, know, never mind seriously. the fact that when you talk to Israeli security people. 
They say that the cooperation at all levels has never been better. Uh, but, his, but Rashid Khalidi is his main <laughs> Middle East advisor. <laughs> Um, and he is a known anti-Zionist. And, uh, you know, never mind the fact that, uh, you know, the United States has taken, uh, cooperated with Israel in Iron Dome. In but his Ca- middle name is Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> but it really, it, apparently, it is this most recent episode um, with the U.N. Security Council and the aftermath um, that is so has the American Jewish community so our members of the American Jewish community so absolutely exercised about it. Never mind the fact that the Israeli government representatives of the foreign government accused the United States of colluding with its enemies, stabbing it in the back, saying all kinds of terrible things about the president of the United States publicly claiming that they have evidence of the president's collusion against them and that they will present it to the incoming administration. Never that mind like the fact Donald, that there is that this, like this Israeli freakout after the president for eight years, regardless of what the tone is, the tone between yeah. the two men, the prime minister and the president, was terrible. But as I've said to many of my friends who are very pro-Israel, this is what kind of a situation mean? you want. You want this is a test case. The president and the prime minister can't stand each other, yet the relationship continues to be, continues to work. Security cooperation continues to be unprecedented in a, in a, in a variety of ways. Yet, okay. they don't, he doesn't love Israel, and that's a problem. So they want to no. keep him out of this country club. This country club, which was, sorry, you dropped a quarter of me. This country club, which was founded because Jews couldn't get into the WASPy country clubs in and around the Washington area. Holy shit. Yeah, this is fucked up on so many so levels. So many levels. So many levels. But, I mean, let's unpack this a little bit, oh, right? Can we wait? Can we go back and not use unpack? It reminds me of grad no, school. I, it reminds me of grad did, students in grad school. Because you never you never unpacked in grad school? <laughs> not that way. You left all of your shit on the floor <laughs> of your room? <laughs> All right, so let, let's deconstruct this. All right, fine, that's How about better. That? That's better. Is that better? Yeah. Is that more of a PhD? Uh, no, like but, a, you know, unpacking just word? seems weird. Okay, go I ahead. I don't know. I mean, anyway, now you've now I'm flustered. No, don't be flustered, please. <laughs> I want, I want, well, sorry, I mean, please let's, unpack. Let's be clear. Please unpack. Let, no, no, I don't want to unpack <laughs> because I want to leave all my shit on the floor again. <laughs> Isn't what this podcast but, is about is just leaving our shit on the floor? I mean, seriously. In like a leaving, mostly leaving, incoherent fashion. Leaving socks everywhere. <laughs> okay, so it's been well established now by um, the self-appointed gatekeepers of Israel in the United States that Barack Obama is anti-Israel. Good. The most anti-Israel president. Most anti-Israel president ever. Yeah. Now, can it be, on any level, could possibly the government of Israel bear any responsibility for the deterioration of the relationship between Barack Obama and Prime Minister Netanyahu? Apparently not. I, I, no. I actually have a story just, about this. I'm, I'm glad. I want to be clear that, it's that they are completely blameless. Completely blameless. I, I, completely blameless. I was once hearing, I was once at a dinner in, in Dallas, Texas with um, some... Did you, did you check your gun at the door? <laughs> have a gun, but I might get one. If Angela Merkel loses in Germany, I'm I getting know, a gun. Um, all bets are off. All bets are off. Uh, I was in Dallas having dinner with some said 
self-appointed gatekeepers of, of Israel and the U.S.-Israel relationship in the United States. And I, and I asked this question, precisely this question. I said, well, isn't it possible that uh, the Israeli government has bears some responsibility for the, for the quality of the, you know, yeah. the tone and, uh, between the president and the, and, and the prime minister? And they said, no. And I said, well, how about this? Vice President Biden, this was early on in the, in the first administration, visited Jerusalem. Pre- Vice President Biden, well known throughout his career to be a staunch supporter of Israel. And there was this controversy going on about Israeli settlements and a settlement freeze. And the Israelis hadn't yet agreed to it, but they knew that this was the administration's position. And of course, to coincide with the vice president's visit, the Israelis announced new settlements. Uh, This is incredibly embarrassing to the administration, but particularly embarrassing to the vice president, whose pro-Israel track record is is you can't impugn it. So somehow the the administration wasn't supposed to be unhappy about that. Um, well, what was the response? No, and then well, then the next response was, well, President Obama didn't have dinner with Netanyahu. Went to have dinner with his family and kept him waiting. Right. Uh, oh my that's god, hard. That's, that's horrible. That's horrible. But the thirty-eight billion dollars is meaningless. And he didn't go to Israel after making his Cairo speech. Right. Right. Which yeah. You know, wasn't that big? Here's, uh, to here's my mind, wasn't problem. that big a deal. Here's the problem that I have. Okay, the whole revolution of Zionism mm. was designed to restore Jews to the world of nations mm. and to make them no longer um, objects of history, but actual actors in history. Right. And that is, and in that sense, Zionism has been spectacularly successful. Okay. However, the self-appointed pro, quote-unquote, pro-Israel lobby in the U.S., and not even the lobby, but these uh, interested parties, have not internalized that lesson. Israel is not an object. Israel doesn't just sit there and shit happens to it. Israel is an actor, and it does stuff. And the things that it does have... Consequences. uh, Consequences. So when you pursue a stupid, ill-advised policy of settlement building yes. for half a century. Yes. Half a that century. Let's 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 let that sink in for a second. Half Unpack a century. That. Fifty years. That the entire world says is illegitimate. The entire world. Right. Uh, obviously the whole world is anti Semitic. <laughs> the whole world hates Well there Jews. is a logical fallacy to saying, well everybody They're, believes it, therefore it must be true. But in fact, yeah. if the Israelis want to settle this conflict one of the things that might have to happen is might. they have to consider maybe right. they don't want to chew up all the land that would go to the other state. I'm just saying maybe so, that might right. not be so a good idea. Since that, since that is a point of contention between <laughs> the parties, maybe if we sort of turn the heat down on that a little bit, then we can see how things will play well, out. Well, the Israelis always scream you don't want to prejudge negotiations, but establishing... Right. Settlements and pouring hundreds of thousands of people into the territory seems exactly. to prejudge the outcome of negotiations. Exactly. So whenever Netanyahu says, "Like I'm willing to start negotiations without preconditions right now," right? 
Well, sure, because he's got all the cards in his right. hands. So I'm going to keep building. And then people say, like, oh, no, there was a settlement freeze right. and Abbas ignored that. It's not exactly right. true. Now, I, because it was a partial settlement right. freeze. And they still were building during that right. settlement in, freeze. In, in the interest of providing a little bit of balance here, I mean, it, it, the Obama administration is not entirely blameless here. I mean, there's a couple of things that I think um, are of concern. For example, um, right out of the blocks, the... Obama administration demanded a freeze on, on settlements, all at the same time saying to the Iranians, we'll talk about everything, anything, at any time and anywhere you're choosing. It, it, the the optics of it, the it, it, it politically, it wasn't a great idea. If you wanted to place pressure on the Israelis to then turn around and essentially open your arms to to talks about anything with Israel's primary enemy. Um, probably not a, a, a good idea. The the anonymous senior administration officials referring to the Israeli prime minister in the press as chicken shit and other kinds of stuff. That he yeah, may that very well shit, be, and that may that very well be a function of their frustration with his efforts to kind of undermine them for appointing... You know, a, a Republican, uh, a political operative as his ambassador to the United States. How about orchestrating a speech in front of the U.S. Right, Congress right, right. And, to and that, lobby against U.S. Right, foreign and that, policy? That all goes together. And then there are things like um, another mistake, though, that the Obama administration made was May nineteenth, two thousand eleven. The, the president's big Arab Spring, so-called Arab Spring speech at the State Department. This was supposed to be about what was going on in the in the Arab world, and then there was this whole section about, you know, Israel withdrawing to the June 4, 1967 lines. Now, that may very right. well be the policy of the government, of the U.S. government, but it really just didn't belong in that speech, and it seemed almost gratuitous um, to add that. So, so there are things that, you know, supporters of Israel and Israelis can be Fair. annoyed about. But in the grand scheme of things, the Obama administration has been extraordinarily pro-Israel, um, the tone hasn't been very good, but the Israelis own that as well. It's not like the Israelis have just been sitting back and taking it. Exactly. Yeah. But the, in all fairness, the chicken shit comment came within the last two years. Well, it came. This, I think it came around the time of the of the speech before Congress, which was, yeah, I think, yeah. And nasty. this relationship, this relationship was already right. bad well before that. No, I, so I agree. I think on a personal level, the two leaders don't get along. And on a policy level, they're diametrically opposed. But, so, and that's that's absolutely, I think, accurate. But at every level below that, intel sharing, intel cooperation, security cooperation, military Israel. to military cooperation. Yes. I mean, the United States just delivered F-35 Fighters to to Israel. I mean, this is it's one of the launch customers for this most advanced war machine. I, never mind the fact that it doesn't really work that well. But nevertheless, there was a lot of fanfare, a lot of a lot of. Uh, uh, it, it speaks to the cooperation between the two countries that the Secretary of Defense was in Israel for the delivery of those airplanes. I, you know, it, at at every level below that political level, and at every level below that that disagreement over settlements and the disagreement over settlements is a disagreement that the Israeli government has had with every U.S. administration going back 30, 40 years now. Including St. Reagan. St. Reagan. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, so, but getting back so to it, for all back, of these so reasons, Obama President Obama should be kept out club. of Woodmont Country Club because he's uh, here. I'll read you. Want me to, I'll read you a quote that's in the Washington Post from one of the anti-Obama members of the Woodmont Country Club. I apologize to our uh, to our listeners uh, for me rustling the Washington Post here, but this is someone named um, Faith Goldstein. Who wrote to the president of Woodmont Country Club on December twenty three? Faith Goldstein. Right. The president quote has created a situation in the world where Israel's very existence is weakened and possibly threatened. He is not welcome at Woodmont. Wow, thirty eight uh, okay. billion bucks. The F thirty five fighter. Uh, on unprecedented of the of security Israel. and intel cooperation, but Israel's existence is threatened. This man may not play golf on my golf course that I pay nine thousand so, bucks a year to, to 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 play on. I'm sure the citizens of Israel thank Faith Goldstein <laughs> for her support and her concern. Yes, this is he's not welcome to he's play not golf. Welcome. I'm telling you, my, he's he's imperiling the existence of the state of Israel. And I'll be goddamned if he's going to play, gonna golf, play golf on my course. I'm, go I'm swimming in my goal. swimming pool. <laughs> there's no, there's no element of racism in there. No, no, none, none whatsoever. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Color his skin. Let's be clear. Uh, Let's be clear. He can't come to my country club. He can't come to my country club. I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Faith's, Faith's mom couldn't go to country club in Chevy Chase. So exactly. I guess what comes faith, around goes around. Faith Goldstein is He's now safeguarding the state safe of Israel. Israel's, safeguarding Israel's existence. So thank you, Faith Thank you, Goldstein. Faith. You, are a, you, you're, you, you get whatever civilian award the Israeli government. We're gonna, they're gonna, you know what? The Israelis are going to plant a tree in your name. On the West Bank. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in Judea and Samaria. Sorry. <laughs> But, um, All right, we got to get I, out of here. We got to get out of this think, conversation. Hold on. We're, we're, hold on. Right. I think if, if Faith Goldstein is listening, I doubt it. But maybe maybe her grandson is. Maybe she'll become a sponsor of the Amen Corner. <laughs> I bet she's a member of my now former synagogue. She might be. Might be. Might be. Sounds like her politics. Right. Sounds like their politics. All right. Anyway. So, I think um, I think that's it for this week. Except one last thing, we we got to mention the, got? the March. The, the yeah, Women's March week. on Washington gonna, next week. Next week, we're going to be podcasting from the March on Washington, or pretty close to and it. And if any listeners out there want to come down for it um, and can't get a hotel room or someplace to stay, uh, the Auberge Cook is wide open. Uh, of course, we'll have to do a background check on you first. After all, you are a listener of the Amen Corner. Um, but you, you're, got prob- you got problems. You're welcome. But we... But, uh, We'll be podcasting from the Women's war, uh, March on Washington next week. Or at least close by. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Power to the people. Power to the people. Right Everybody, on. I hope they get through this week and this coming Friday. And the next, and the next four years. Exactly. Amen. All right. Amen. See you.